Welcome to the Fear and Greed Business Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Crypto investors are having a better time of it right now with Bitcoin rebounding to levels not seen for 18 months or so. Expectations of interest rate reductions and spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds have seen the digital asset climb in recent weeks. But where's the market heading? And what will greater regulation or the potential for greater regulation do to cryptos? Remember, this is general information only, and you should seek professional advice before making investment decisions. John O'Loughlin is the Managing Director APAC at Coinbase, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the US. And John, you're the only listed exchange in the US. That's right, isn't it? That is right, Sean. And uh, with your safe harbour comments um, that we've just listened to, I'm also under the microscope in terms of you know, being a, a fully audited and, and compliant exchange is something we take a lot of pride in. Yeah, It's quite public that we're in a number of actions with the SEC right now, but we believe that the regulation is going in the right direction. And I think that narrative is is, is, is really, in, you know, headed in a positive uh, kind of direction. Also, locally in Australia, recent guidance from Treasury here has provided clarity to the market that digital assets will come under the purview of ASIC and an AFSL regime. And I think this is this yep. is a welcome decision. It's something we've spent a lot of time leaning in on. And I think investors here, you know, kind of look at these big Western markets where, you know, they kind of respect the decision of the regulators. And we're excited to, to see where this is going in Australia. Okay, let's take a step back. For those who don't know a lot about uh, crypto exchanges and cryptocurrencies, we talk about interest rates and ETFs helping Bitcoin particularly. It's the largest of the uh, cryptocurrencies. Let's go through interest rates first. Why do interest rates slash inflation matter for cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin? Yeah, I think historically, Bitcoin has been the kind of blue chip token. And so if you look at the assets that we host on Coinbase, um, there's over 300 assets and we take a very kind of careful due diligence approach to those. And so Bitcoin's been the one that's you know been around the longest, and it's the most well kind of understood token or, or, or you know digital asset. And in that regard, I think there's a kind of a degree of transparency, a history of market performance. People can correlate it with the ebbs and flows of interest rate. And I think increasingly there's a demand from a new, I would say, demographic, probably a younger demographic, a little bit more of an open-minded demographic into an alternative asset class kind of akin to what you know gold was in a, in, a, in a former life for lots of people as a hedge to you know the US dollar and so we see these correlations in time when there are there are spikes and rises in interest rates um, we see a, you know a, a correlation with, with what happens in Bitcoin we can't predict what's going to you know happen with Bitcoin and we're not really looking at you know future trends of Bitcoin we're an exchange and so we want to be independent and host assets that we believe pass very kind of clear due diligence tests. It should be noted that there are, you know, over over kind of 5,000 tokens out there in the market, um, and we only host a fraction of those. But uh, the bulk of day-to-day traders and, and mum-and-pop traders, people who are enter- entering the market, are really, you know, looking at, at Bitcoin or, um, or Ethereum. So a number of the trends that you highlighted earlier, uh, Sean, for example, the launch of the of the ETF market, you know, it's, it's probably not just the launch of the ETF market, but the names behind those filings. So the BlackRocks, the Fidelities of the world, clearly uh, they've got very big uh, user bases and there's going to be some momentum, you know, coming into those markets uh, when, when those ETFs are approved. Stay with me, John. We'll be back in a minute.
I'm speaking to John O'Loughlin, Managing Director, APAC at Coinbase. So why is a spot Bitcoin ETF so important? I get that it gives a lot of credibility when BlackRock is uh, chasing the SEC to try and get a an ETF up on it. Does it also make it easier, though, for investors to access cryptocurrencies? 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think it's still not the most straightforward asset class to engage with. A lot of people, particularly if we look at, you know, self-managed super funds, right? So this is a, you know, $890 billion market in Australia. It's about a third of the overall supermarket or maybe 25 to 30% of the overall Australian supermarket. And, you know, why it's important to Coinbase is because that Australian pool of savings is the fifth biggest in the world. And, and clearly there, there's an opportunity there. Lots of those investors have series of advisors or kind of default ways that gives them access to investments. And ETFs are, are clearly well understood and have had a, a very good run in terms of pricing and, and access. There's all sorts of advantages to why people like that space. And so for, you know, I would say more traditional investors, they can just kind of add an ETF to their portfolio without having to necessarily sign up to a crypto exchange. And then I think also their, their tax obligations and other kind of governance concerns they have to be aware of are all kind of taken care of. You can do that with, with Coinbase Retail Exchange. We link to all sorts of partners like Coinly, Crypto Tax Calculator, all sorts of technologies that allow you to have a very seamless interaction with the ATO and be completely compliant um, in terms of managing uh, you know, any appreciation or losses you have in your crypto portfolio. But I think there is a, a big part of this market that has, you know, an, a, a familiarity ETFs. I'd also say that that older demographic in terms of, let's say, a kind of more senior age group in that self-managed super fund, their ARPU, or let's say the, the amount of money they're going to put into this asset class, even if it is half a percentage or a percentage point of their overall asset, asset allocation in terms of diversifying risk and following a classic kind of, um, you know, diversification strategy in your portfolio management, even that 0.5 or 1% allocation of their total net worth is going to be a multiple of what, let's say, what's historically been referred to as kind of, you know, Bitcoin bros or, you know, the, the yeah. initial yeah. kind of young male demographic that has been, you know, very interested in this kind of speculative market. Yep. We have never kind of played to that audience. I think our, our user base is a little bit more wary of, of our brand uh, and the attributes of the brand and the protections that come with um, the Coinbase brand. And so that's why I think this ETF market has quite a quite an interesting potential and then, then also a local overlay of why I think there's going to be demand for it in Australia. Okay. So on that whole reputation issue, I was reading something, uh, was it Kathy Wood from ARK Investments was quoted in the paper the other day saying you should have 2 to 6% of your assets in cryptos now we're not an investing podcast go and see your financial advisor we're certainly not recommending that but it's just interesting someone like that uh focuses that much on cryptocurrencies the flip side to that is we've seen the collapse of terra usd stablecoin uh we have seen some exchanges collapse big time and some high profile people get charged over that is that kind of a shakeout that was needed has it done too much damage to the industry how do you put those things into perspective yeah, I mean, I personally put them into perspective, having worked at Goldman Sachs in 1999 and been an advisor to companies like WorldCom and worked yeah. on big clients like Enron. And at the time, you know, advisors who were mentors to me were 
moving around the market and talking incredibly positively about these big conglomerates and and you know they they worked out to be you know major fraud cases and so you know i think when you have the growth of an industry you're going to have these these bad actors in those cases i think the, the positive news is that you know some of the bankruptcy outcomes for that major american exchange or us or global exchange based out of the bahamas have been quite quite kind of positive and so I think there's a little bit of recovery in terms of the reputation for the industry around the FTX windup. But yeah, certainly it wasn't a great, great day for, for, the, for the industry. And then the recent charges against Binance are, are very serious. And, you know, it's not really our position to comment on competitors in the market. But I will, I will say that, you know, we've spent an inordinate um, amount of time and resources on governance ever since the inception of the business. I was working previously uh, in the e-commerce and payment space and the remittances space and have always personally been very concerned about my own kind of professional reputation yeah, as an yeah. AFSL listed director and the link to the brand that you're kind of working with. So I did, you know, pretty deep due diligence on, on Coinbase and, and looked at, you know, fellow colleagues who, or former colleagues from other firms who had worked there and new people there and being a director of a number of Coinbase entities in multiple geographies in APAC, um, you know, I can tell you we've got two approaches to, to the market globally. One is what we call a go deep strategy, and that's in about 10 markets globally where we're fully regulated, boots on the ground, leaning into the regulators very hard um, and have, have directors and, and audits and everything else you can imagine. And that's basically the EU and the UK in APAC at Singapore and Australia, we're looking uh, to hopefully launch in a couple of more markets. And in the Americas, it's, it's the US and, and buttressed on either side by kind of Brazil and Canada. The rest of the world, we want to approach, you know, because we want to bring a billion people on chain with what we call a go broad strategy. And that's using, you know, more innovative and dynamic technology, uh, not dissimilar to how the kind of fintech world has tackled all sorts of geographies where traditional banking is challenging. Um, with things like Coinbase Wallet um, and our Layer 2 Ethereum platform um, base and peer-to-peer products and Wallet as a service which um, brands can build and, and build out their own digital crypto wallets. So lots of innovation in the kind of Web3 ecosystem space to, to get into other markets where maybe the regulatory guidance is not so clear, uh, but there are very big populations of people. And in those more kind of traditional Western markets, uh, we're very much... You know, we've we've kind of landed the boat, we've kind of burnt the boat, so to say, and we're boots on the ground and and very much engaged. And that's you know certainly the case in Australia uh, as we look into this new regime that um, is going to be under an AFSL. John, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thanks, Sean. Pleasure to be back. That was John O'Loughlin, Managing Director, APAC at Coinbase. This is the Fear and Greed Business Interview. Remember, this is general information only, and you should seek professional advice before making investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's best business podcast. I'm Sean Elmer. Enjoy your day.